Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of In the Spirit of Horse. My name is Mosey Truitt, and this week, I just got to talk to you guys a little bit about the move that I'm in the middle of. Um, I'm in the middle of moving. You might know it if you have been following me online and you're listening to these episodes in real time. Um, but yeah, I've been moving, um, not just me, but also like working on moving the entire ranch with all of my horses and all the animals. And it's super, super exciting and quite a bit of work. And I'm so grateful for it. Uh, but I'm right in the middle of it right now. So in this episode, um, I talk about that. I kind of let you guys know what I'm doing with the property and what plans we have and all of the amazing things that just feel so dreamy and I, I can't believe they're happening. Um, so yeah, I kind of talk about that. And then for the second half of the episode, I asked you guys online if you had any horse questions and, uh, yeah, I just kind of answer your questions. We talk horses and, uh, I think we, we get to some really cool topics. You guys ask some really interesting things. So yeah, I'm excited to share this episode with you guys. Let's just jump right in. trying to record this podcast for the past 15 minutes and I keep I keep messing up I keep uh um it's not you know there's no way to really mess up the podcast except for like my leg's been asleep and I've had to readjust a ton and I've had a cough and um I've also just been fumbling over my words for the past 15 minutes real bad so hopefully this is the real take and I get to talk with you guys and I can just settle in to speaking to myself, aka you guys, which is taking a little bit of an adjustment. Um, but anyway, hi, how are you guys? Um, I've been having a really exciting week. If you have been following my Instagram or following anything online and you're listening to this on real time, um, then you know that I have moved this week. And that's kind of the reason why, um, you know, I'm trying to get the podcast situated right now because I'm in a new space and um, I've been just really busy like unpacking and settling and it's been so wonderful and I'm really excited to talk to you guys today about what's been going on and and why we moved and what we're doing here and the plans for the property. So uh, yeah, I think I'm going to just kind of go into some of the questions. I asked you guys earlier this week if you had any questions about the move or about horses, and I got a lot about the move, so I decided to kind of focus this episode on, on you know, what's going on here and what we're doing, and then at the end, if there's time, um, go into more of your horse questions in general. Kind of a makeshift episode, but I think it'll... I'm excited. I'm excited to record it, so yeah, let's just... Uh, I'm just going to go with your first question, which was, why are we moving? Um, if you've been following me for a while, then you know that I've basically been living at this dream ranch for, uh, well, I guess like the past four years. 
And before that, I had Annie there, and Annie was born there, and Sierra was born there, and I met Annie there when I was 12, and we've just basically been in this uh, wonderful little heaven of a ranch um, for quite some time, kind of grew up there, and it's the most amazing ranch, and I'm so, so grateful for having had the time there that I have, Um, and you know, I might not have moved if it hadn't been something that I had to do, but uh, I'm actually feeling really, really good about the move and feeling like it's time to move on. It felt like this first ranch that we were at has been such a womb in some ways to, you know, kind of help us cultivate the time and space that I needed to, you know, connect with Annie and and discover what I now call Liberty Horsemanship and really discover myself in a lot of ways. So growing up there was just like the most amazing gift. Um, and going out to see Annie there and, uh, you know, I'd leave high school and I would like drive myself to her like almost every day. It was like an hour away, but, uh, I just spent so much time there basically alone. It's, private. So, um, there wasn't a lot of people and everyone that was there, I knew really well and they were my close friends. So I feel so grateful that I had this space to really explore horsemanship and explore my relationship with Annie without the, a lot of the outside judgment. I know that a lot of people have a hard time, um, you know, being at a boarding barn or a barn that maybe is a little more traditional. And when you're trying to discover a new way of being with horses and explore your relationship with horses, you can run into some judgment. And I know that's really hard. And Annie and I definitely ran into that because we didn't stay at this ranch the whole time. We've moved around. We've gone to, um, we've gone to big barns. When I first started looking at Liberty Horsemanship, I was actually at a really huge, like, dressage and jumping barn and uh so I know the pressure of it and I feel really grateful that for most of our time together we got to be kind of um in our own little bubble at this amazing ranch and just explore on our own so it's been absolutely amazing there but at the same time I also know that that it's time to really branch out and bring this message more into the world and, and bring, uh, I mean, we've been out in the world, you know, I've been teaching for a long time and doing clinics and, and traveling around, but there does feel like there's this like symbolic, um, thing going on right now of kind of like leaving our childhood home, you know, so I think probably my my greatest home and moving into this new space on this new land where we're really going to cultivate so many of the dreams that we've been wanting to do. So I'm moving initially because I found out that they were selling the property and I wasn't going to live there anymore. Um, but really also I'm moving because we're ready and we're ready to make our own dream and to really, you know, step up and bring, um, 
this message of the horse to a bigger audience and into bigger plans. So, so that's really why we're moving. And I'm so grateful that I have the opportunity now to actually, um, expand at this new place because this new place is just everything that I have ever dreamed of. And I can't believe we found it. And maybe I'll go into that next. Finding this new place was really, uh, it felt so harmonious in many ways because when I first found out that we had to leave the other property, um, I was really heartbroken. You know, I was, I was really, there's a piece of me that was really ready and there's a piece of me that was very excited. And then there was also a part of me that was, you know, quite sad that we were going to have to move. But the more I focused on the pieces of me that were excited and that knew, you know, past the fear that there was um, something important and something very right about this, the more I focused on those pieces, the more I started to really dream about, you know, what, what is next and what do I really want to do? And I kind of had this idea that I thought was so outlandish, like so, <laughs> so dreamy in a way that like, I wasn't going to be able to find it, but I might as well like have the idea because, you know, at least be in touch with what I want, but you know, be ready to not have it, you know, no expectations on it basically. So I had this idea that if we were to find another piece of land in this particular area that was like really open and had a lot of space for the horses and was set up as a horse ranch, but also not so set up that like, I can't, change the fencing or change the, um, layout of it because I have some really particular ideas about how I want to, uh, do the layout for the horses and give them a lot of freedom, but also still has water hooked up. And I had like crazy ideals, like, well, it would be amazing if there was like, if it was against a mountain, because then there could be some wild land, but you know, that's probably never going to happen. So I was like, you can just let go of that. You can let go of the idea of it not being, um, not being perfect, you know? And, and I also had this idea that, you know, maybe one day I'd open a sanctuary and how amazing that would be, but you know, that will probably be way down the line. So I'm just going to look for something that's going to be happy for the horses right now. And as I was looking around at different places, I ended up finding, um, I ended up finding this piece of land, which just when I came onto the property, I couldn't believe it because it was everything that I had ever dreamed of and more. It was everything like, like the fencing needed a lot of work. You know, the property needed a lot of work, but I could see the potential so, so much that the water was hooked up. It was meant for horses, but the fencing was really old and metal and needed to be taken down anyway. So it needed a new configuration and it was up against a mountain, a wild mountain that at first, you know, I was so focused on the horse part or like the, the ranch part that I was not really paying attention to the, to the mountainside. And then we go out on the mountainside and it's like a whole nother world. And I see the dream, um, for the sanctuary that I've always wanted to open just like plain as day. It's right there and it's possible. And I realized that I can do all of the things I've wanted to do you know, later in my life right now. And 
I just started bawling because I couldn't believe that what I had envisioned was just like right here in front of me. And all of the things I wanted to do to help horses would be possible here. So long story short, it's been about a year of cleaning up the property and like getting it really ready and, and just working on it. Cause like I said, it, it needed a lot of TLC, but I've just been in complete awe because it's the most incredible piece of land. And I'm so grateful to be here. So I'm going to go on to the next question because it kind of flows into this. And that is, what is the goal for this like quote unquote Liberty ranch? I am so excited because I have so many goals and so many intentions, um, but I've been trying to really focus down on the ones that are really important. And uh, I guess I'm going to start. Well, there's basically two kind of pieces to the property and two different things I'm going to be doing here. So I'm going to start with the front part, which is more about liberty, and then get into the, the second part after. So the front part of the property is the ranch part that I was really, really um, looking for when I was searching. And uh, it's a couple of really huge fields, basically just like open uh, open fields with grass and oak trees, um, and then uh, a little house structure and a little barn, which was perfect because I didn't, you know, all these horse facilities like usually have pretty big barns with a lot of stalls. And this one just has three stalls, which is um, perfect for if I'm, you know, teaching and we need to, if someone brings their horse and I need to kind of separate them out from the other horses, or if I need to do a quarantine or something like that. But otherwise, you know, horses aren't going to be living in the stalls. They all live outside 24 seven. So, um, it was perfect sized. Um, and yeah, this front part of the ranch is basically going to be the Liberty part of the ranch. And it's going to be a place where, um, I'm going to host a lot of events for hopefully, um, like-minded horse people build a lot of community. Um, it has the ability to hold quite a bit of like activity and action and like people with trailers and people, um, coming for, you know, just like big, big horse community events. So that is my hope is to host a lot of things that can really expand the in-person community and bring Liberty a little more to the real world. Cause I think a lot of it's online and a lot of it's in the real world too. But I think the more we can get that, um, into meeting face to face, the better. And what I'm also really trying to do with this first front part of the property is set it up for the horses in a way where they have maximum freedom and they get a lot of choice. So my original idea, which I'm still, I'm still trying to figure out exactly how I'm going to do this. And I haven't set down all the um, plans for the fencing yet, but basically my original idea was to fence off the human parts, you know, the parts that might be dangerous for horses to get into, and then let the horses basically have the run of the rest of the property. So instead of thinking like, you know, the human parts are, are not fenced and then the horses are in these fenced pastures, it's kind of like the opposite way around. So, um, giving them a lot more freedom of where to go, a lot more, um, dynamic about, um, going around structures and like 
you know, uh, seeing different pieces of the property and being able to choose which direction they want to go and um, just overall giving them more of the dominion over the land, really. So again, I haven't like planned out exactly how that's going to look, which is part of the reason why I'm excited to be up here um, a little bit without the horses first. And then even when they come, my plan is to put all of my horses in the big pasture um, because it's kind of already fenced off and then work on really designing the rest of the kind of like pasture track system I'm going to be doing uh, while they're like in a really big pasture and like happy eating grass and while I'm here because it's been a little bit difficult for me to plan the property when I haven't actually been living here. So I'm excited to be living here and like getting more ideas as I go and walking around and yeah, so I have my kind of broad idea and I have some ideas of how I'm going to configure it, but um, I'm really waiting for inspiration to keep on um, letting me know how it wants to really come about, which is really exciting because we're, we're starting. The arena's up and, um, and the other pasture is coming up and I can't wait to have the horses up here. Yeah, I, I'm kind of blissed out. It's a little bit dreamy. I'm just so grateful and I'm hoping I can do a lot of good work here and help a lot of horses. So with that, you know, I'm going to be hosting clinics and events and hopefully conferences and having other trainers and other um, awesome horse people out, have a podcast room to hopefully get this podcast like real official like and uh, have like kind of a sound room where I can have people come in person and like sit down and, you know, get it, make it feel really like easy and um and uh, set up to continue this podcast for a lot longer and maybe just make it like a all the time thing. So I have a lot of little ideas like that. And uh, I'm also going to have some private boarding for um, people in the area who want to do more of like a Liberty style boarding and um, possibly uh, do lessons with me. Although um, I don't think that's going to be a requirement, but anyway, getting into details, yeah, that's, that's kind of the, that's kind of the hope. Um, I'm so thrilled and, uh, trying to think if there's anything else I'm missing. I'm kind of like, my brain is a little scattered just because this has all been happening right now and moving. There's a lot more to moving than I kind of, than you think. Like, I'm really happy I didn't move the horses right when I went because for, I thought that like moving my stuff was like going to take like, oh, I'll take a couple hours. It'll be fine. And you just don't realize, like, I don't even have that much stuff, but moving it all, like it, it's a little bit of a process. So another question I got was how many horses are in my herd and am I bringing all of them? So yes, when I first bring them up here, which will hopefully be in a couple of days to a couple weeks, I'm, I'm really not sure. I'm kind of leaving it open to see when it feels right. Um, but I'm starting with bringing my horses and, um, and a couple friends horses. Uh, and then later we'll probably bring in more like for borders and other people that I'm working with and, and stuff like that. But the first horses to come up are basically just mine. So I have six in my herd and that is Annie and Sierra 
and India and Leah and Moon and the new little boy Napomo. And I'm so excited to have them up here. So, so excited. Um, and then the other horse we're bringing up is uh, Luna, who is Nina Polo's uh, Mustang mare, who is with Napomo right now. Um, you might know Nina from Instagram or from other podcast episodes, but yeah, she's coming up here and, um, and yeah, I'm just gonna have to practice getting her on the trailer because she's a, she's still kind of a wild Mustang. And, and we did an episode about like, uh, about when we got her trying to, um, work with her to get her on the trailer. But I think she's going to be, um, pretty good about it because, we worked so much with her last time and we really like made it her choice and she ended up stepping up all on her own, like at Liberty, this amazing wild Mustang choosing to come on. So, um, yeah, I, I think she's going to be, I think she's going to be happy to get on the trailer and come here because she's also just been so happy since, since we got her. And I think she's really come to trust us a lot. So yeah, that's the goal is at first to bring up the seven horses and, uh, and then as we're getting everything else set up for, for other horses and other people and, um, yeah, doing all the, the real work and the paperwork and the blah, 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 having them up here is going to be so, so nice. Yeah. So that's kind of my basic plan for the front part. And then there is an entire back mountain, which I am so excited about because we have some really cool plans for that. And I think I'm actually going to talk to you guys about it because I wasn't sure if I wanted to um, mention it yet, but you know, I think it's time. So basically the property has like the front part and then it has this forest that you, you drive down this hill and you kind of cross this river and then you're in this forest in this mountain side of wild land. And it's a lot of wild land that also happens to be fenced around the perimeter, which is amazing. And when I first went driving back there, we like went up the hill in this Jeep and I was just bewildered and amazed because I realized that it would be possible to open a wild horse sanctuary back here. Um, which has been a dream of mine for so long. And right as I'm thinking that, um, a couple of horses that the previous owner had had just boarding in the back go running in front of our truck as though it's like a safari and they go not dangerously running in front of our truck, but like ahead a little bit, like wild horses, just like galloping across the mountainside and into the brush and they're gone. And it felt like a safari for one. And Secondly, I just realized that it is so possible to make that dream come true here. So you guys might know Nina Polo. She is my amazing, amazing friend and my work wife and my business partner now for the Wild Horse Sanctuary that we're opening uh, this year. So, or next year, early next year. Um, Yeah, I'm just... I can't even believe that this is what we're doing, but we are actually opening up a wild horse sanctuary, um, in 2019. Uh, it's so exciting. It's so dreamy and it cannot wait. Um, yeah, if you, if you've been following me for a while, you know that I've been 
spending a lot of time with the wild horses and, you know, camping out with them and also have gone to some roundups and uh, a lot of holding facilities. And there are just so many wild horses that have kind of, you know, left, been pushed off this land and, and taken from their really natural lives of living in the herd and, um, being wild, truly wild. And, you know, then are kind of rounded up and put into these small pens and, and a lot of them just never get homes. And I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to be able to, you know, get some of these horses that have already been rounded up and set them free again. So the sanctuary is going to be a real sanctuary. We're not going to use the horses or train them in any way. We're going to set them out free wild and, uh, and, and try to unite some bands really. Um, I'm so excited. And, uh, yeah, Nina and I, we have a lot more information to share with you guys later. And we're going to probably do like a full podcast on our plan and what we're doing. So there's a lot more details to come later, but, uh, for right now, just know we're, we're opening a wild horse sanctuary and, um, and hopefully going to be getting the horses, uh, a little bit later this year. So watch out for that, for all the information there, cause it's going to be super fun and, uh, and super meaningful to us. So yeah, if you have any questions, I'm sure they'll be answered later when, when we actually launch with information. But if you want to send them our way, when we are ready to launch, we'll definitely do a podcast and like really go into detail of what we're doing. But yeah, I'm so excited. I can, oh, I can hardly, hardly believe it really. And, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm working on that part of the, the property too, right now, working on kind of these two different things. I think for now, you know, I'm a little tired and I I hope that was a good amount of information. But for now, I think that that probably is good for talking about the property. So, um, I think I'm going to go into your other questions. Hello everyone, I am interrupting this episode to give you a message from our sponsor. This week's episode is sponsored by WildFed. I am a minimalist and am try to be very, very conscious about what I consume, you know, both for myself and also especially for the horses. And when I was thinking about doing sponsorships for this podcast, I knew that I was going to be insanely picky and only promote things that I actually really use uh, consistently and really, really stand behind on every front, ethics and product and uh, how they, uh, the production of it and, um, and just, you know, looking at the whole package. And I am so proud to be sponsored by WildFed because they really do have it all and they are a company that I actually love and use all the time. So you might have heard I had a podcast episode with the CEO and founder of WildFed just a few weeks ago, and you can hear more about their products um, 
and more about how they started in that episode and also just get really good information on horse nutrition. But basically, Wild Fed is a horse feed company that actually puts in tons of thought into what they produce for horses. So much of the feed out there is just filled with byproducts of other industries and things that are not really good for horses to eat and just fillers. And until I found Wildfed, I basically refused to feed my horse any um, grain that wasn't just pure Timothy pellets. And so when my horse Moon had a hard time putting on weight a couple of years ago, I really wasn't sure how to help her because the increasing hay wasn't working. And that's when I found Wildfed. It has amazing ingredients and actually feels like really pure and all of them are sourced for the horse. Um, it's really well researched. I felt super comfortable feeding it to Moon. It was actually kind of a, like I felt like a godsend when I found it because it was everything I had wanted to find in a feed and had never been able to find. So it's pretty incredible. Um, I also love, just on a side note, that all of their packaging for their feed is in paper bags, so less plastic, which is really important to me. Yeah, I just I can't, don't have enough good things to say about this brand. They put herbs um, into their feed, and they also have a whole bunch of new herbal supports, like supplements for the horses, which I am really, really loving. I've used the liver cleanse. Um, after deworming and if I've ever thought the horses have gotten into something that maybe they shouldn't have eaten um, and I love that I've actually eaten it myself um, I've also eaten the stomach soother myself <laughs> which is good for horses with ulcers um, you can also use it with dogs they also have an allergy support and an endurance formula and uh, yeah you can go on their website and check out all the different um, herbal supports they have I'm actually really excited to try the allergy support with my dog, who kind of is allergic to basically everything. She's allergic to outside and inside. So I'm excited to see how that helps with her um, skin issues and whatnot. But all the ones I've tried, I've just been really, really impressed with. And this is really the only grain I will ever feed my horses. And I would be supporting them no matter what, because I, I really, really believe in this product. So so grateful to have them um, as a sponsor on the show. So thank you, Wild Fed. Thank you, everyone listening. And let's get back to the episode. I asked you guys to send me some questions over Instagram so that I could just, you know, read through them and answer them. And uh, yeah, we can just talk horses for a bit. So that's what I think I'm going to do now. And I'm going to start with um, a question that kind of feels linked. Um, I'm going to try to make this a smooth transition. Um, but the question is, what is my work? Um, do I teach, give private lessons, and do I use my horses when teaching? Um, yeah, so my work, I have, I definitely teach private lessons, although I've kind of, um, I've kind of, stop doing that as much because I'm focusing on a lot of other things right now. So I have taught a lot of private lessons, but, um, have kind of, uh, cut back a little bit on how many of those I do. Um, I also teach clinics and, uh, Liberty clinics, um, and clinics with a couple of different people I've like co-hosted with like Nina 
and, uh, some awesome other trainers as well. Um, and yeah, in the clinics, a lot of times people are coming from out of town or from another country. So, uh, I do like to include my horses with that. And I think most people actually don't bring their own horse. I usually match them up with a horse that I think, you know, fits them or, or is most like their horse at home. And, uh, yeah, then, you know, if you're doing a weekend clinic, I will, you'll probably end up working with a lot of my different horses. I always ask my horses if they feel like working in the clinic and usually they're really, really down, but if they were ever to say no, then I would just bring out a different horse. Um, and yeah, like Sierra is just the most amazing teacher. Some of them just like, just to handle teaching new people so well. Like Sierra is my superstar of, um, of just like immediately, uh, adapting to new people. And, uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, they're all so amazing. They do. They really like, I love my horses so much and they're so, they're so great. Um, so yeah, they all, they all help me teach lessons. Um, so if you do want to come to a clinic, you definitely don't need your own horse. Um, because you'll probably work with a lot of the horses here. Um, yeah, so that's, I think clinics are the main thing right now. I have a couple other projects in the work. Really, I'm, I'm focusing right now on the property and getting this going. So I've been doing less of that recently, but, um, I'm sure I'll be doing a lot more clinics, uh, once the property here is settled. Okay. This next question I really love. Um, and it is, how do you remain balanced with your morals and your goals? I love this question because this is really like this kind of, this is it in like some ways, like this is, I think the key to so many, um, to really like this type of horsemanship and to people who are questioning, like, you know, want to do better by the horse and also want to be involved with horses. It's how do you balance your ethics or your morals um, with the things you want to do, with your goals? And honestly, you know, I've been working on this for a really long time, but I'm not perfect in any way. And I'm still really challenged by this a lot of the time. But I think I try to get in touch with my intention um, to start with. So when I'm looking at my goals, I'm really looking at, um, you know, what is my intention for doing this and just being really, really honest with myself about it. You know, sometimes my intention, I might not like it that much. It might be just because I want to, you know, like, or it might be something that I feel isn't honoring the horse that much. But I think the second really important, um, aspect for me with this is compassion and having compassion for myself and having compassion for the horse. Because if I do have something I want to do, that's a goal. And I, and I don't really like my intention behind it. Um, if I start shaming myself or telling myself that I'm bad for like wanting to, to do this or that, um, that doesn't, it really doesn't help anything. It doesn't spread compassion to myself, which ultimately doesn't allow me to spread, um, compassion to the horses. So I think that it's super important that we ask the horse how they're feeling and to find the courage to ask them questions honestly. 
So, you know, if I have a goal of wanting to do a certain thing while riding, I want to ask the horse honestly if that's okay or if they want to do it. And I think what used to happen a lot is I would ask the question and the horse would say no, or I was afraid the horse would say no. And I'd be so scared of that because it would mean that if the horse gave me a no, that if I continued on with it, I was forcing her to do something against her will, especially like around her body. Like with riding, this was really hard for me because if I'm saying, if I'm asking honestly, do you want to ride? And they say no. And I get on and I ride anyway. If I've faced the fact that they've said no, then I can't fool myself anymore into thinking it's consensual. So that was really hard for me for a long time. And I think it, it scared me from wanting to ask the question of the horse to ask if they wanted to do it because I was so scared of the answer I might get. I was scared of the answer I would get because I was scared of what I was scared of what that would mean. Um, but I was also scared that I would do it anyway. You know, I didn't have full trust of myself that, that I wouldn't. And, um, and I, and I knew that would make me feel really bad, especially if I was shaming myself, which in the beginning I definitely was. So I think honestly, the more compassion I've brought in for myself and the more, um, courage I've cultivated to ask these questions, the more compassion I have for the horse and the easier it is for me to balance, um, my morals and my goals and what I want to do. And honestly, the easier it is for me to actually find a way to reach my goals in line, um, with my ethics. So in the beginning, when I thought that, you know, I asked Annie if she wanted to ride and she said, no, um, it was important that first I really accepted that no. And I, I really let go of riding actually. Um, and I just thought we wouldn't ride again. And that, and that was hard for me to make that decision. You know, that wasn't like an overnight decision. That was like a lot of me trying and trying and trying to pretend like I didn't hear what she had said and to, um, you know, just get away from the answer. And, but then, you know, once I did accept the fact that maybe we wouldn't ride again and I let go of the expectation, we were actually able to find a way to do it at Liberty. And I was able to ask her to ride without anything on her and without any pressure, more importantly, and without any pain and truly get to ask her, do you want to do this? Um, and for her to say yes. So it was only when I, you know, was able to ask the, the hard questions and face the answers that I was able to, um, really align what I wanted to do with what I felt was right. And I think all of that takes, you know, it takes so much courage. Um, and so I'm always so impressed with people who are able to ask the questions really honestly, knowing that they might get an answer they don't like, but feeling the courage to ask it anyway. And I think the courage to do that again, stems from self-compassion and, um, yeah. Uh, I think that that answer went 
around in circles a little bit, but, but that's how I'm feeling right now. And, and yeah, it's, it's not a perfect, you know, you don't, you don't get to a place of perfection with it. I feel like I'm, I'm very good at asking these questions and listening to the horse. Now I'm very practiced at it, but even still there have been questions I've felt resistant to asking, um, because I thought it would shake up my world a little too much. You know, it, it would make me question my sense of self in some ways. Um, I've kind of talked about having like an identity crisis of being like a horse trainer before on different podcast episodes. Um, so it's still relevant to me, but I think, I think I'm surrounded now with a really amazing community and fantastic friends and also have just built up a, a different sort of resilience to it now that I, I feel inspired to ask these questions. And even though they can be hard and even though, um, I don't always know what, what to do, um, I want to ask them anyway, and I want to be courageous and I want to be soft and open and, and listen to the horse. So that's what I try to focus on is not perfection with it, but just being as kind and compassionate and honest as possible with myself and with the horse. Okay. Let's see another question. Oh man, this question's big. She writes, what is the biggest lesson you have ever learned about yourself from the horses? <laughs> that is a really big question. Um, hmm. Okay. I don't think I'm going to say the biggest lesson because I, I can't even begin to fa fathom right now, like what that might be. <laughs> like, I feel like that's a really, that's a lot of pressure to answer right now. Um, so instead I think I'm going to do a really big lesson that, I've been really focused on recently because it's really in my mind. And that lesson is how to take a no or how to respond to a no. Um, I think this one's so big because it has really influenced how I work with horses, but it has also fundamentally changed my view, um, with people. So when I started really allowing my horses to say no, um, you know, at first I resisted a lot and I was kind of told like by the horse world, I think that, you know, when you get a no from the horse, it's a disrespect and you make them do it anyway. And, um, and really I feel like there wasn't much room for the horse to actually say no in horsemanship, which really meant there was really no room for their voice. So learning to accept a no was about, was really more about learning how to accept and, and, um, respect a voice of another and the voice of the horse. Um, and that, that's huge. You know, there's so many aspects to that, but I think, you know, with horses, I started to realize that a yes can't, you know, it's not, you don't have a real yes if you can't also have a real no, because if the no isn't listened to, the horse starts to realize that, you know, that's not an option. So yes is their real option. And that, and then that's not a real choice. 
you know, if yes is the only option, obedience is the only option, then really all they've learned is that they have no choice and that they're kind of helpless in their, in their circumstance and they can't do anything to change it, which is a pretty hopeless place to be. Like, you know, if you imagine being a a human in that. So learning to take a no from the horse and also not feel rejection from it. You know, there was, there was one level of learning to just honor a no, learning that it's okay if the horse says no, and that it's not my right to take it anyway. You know, if a horse says no to something about her body, it's not my right to just take what I want anyway, which can really be applied to like women and horses and, uh, all humans, all animals. So, and the earth too, actually thinking about it, it's just like really important. Um, but you know, then there's also the emotional aspect of why are we uncomfortable with nose? And I think so much of that comes from feeling rejected and it, it comes from a place of actually our own wounds and our own wounded self, um, being triggered by that a lot of the time. So, so also having to realize that, um, or coming to realize that when the horse says no to something I want, it doesn't mean I'm not good enough. Um, that was another really huge lesson because with people as well, you know, if a person says no to me or I feel rejected in some way, it doesn't mean that I'm not good enough and it's not a comment on me and I don't need to take it personally. I think all of that is really, really important and has been something I've been thinking a lot about recently. Um, not just in regards to horses, but honestly more in regards to people. I've been thinking about how we handle no from other people. Um, you know, you have severe cases where someone tells you no and you get so angry and so entitled inside that you, you make them do it anyway, or you take it anyway. And I think a lot of us see that that is really, um, it can be really awful and really detrimental to the person that that is saying no. And it's not a kind thing to do. And, and, you know, but on another level, like on a simpler level, I think we experience that a lot. We, we can shame people who tell us no, or we can make them feel bad. We can guilt trip them and, um, you know, use these other techniques that kind of poke at their worth or poke at their, um, at, at, at the places where they feel shame and, and, uh, might influence them, kind of manipulate them as well. And I think that's pretty common in, in how we speak to each other and what we do with no. And I think the whole thing just comes from a place of, of hurting and, and kind of disconnecting from one another. So yeah, I think, I think self-compassion and thus compassion for everyone is really key here. Um, yeah. And that, and that's been a a big lesson of the horse. So hope that answers that question. Okay. On to the next question. 
Um, she writes, I have befriended um, someone with a horse that has had a hard life um, with force and pressure. How do I make him see I mean no, no harm? So I'm assuming we're talking about a horse that has had a hard life. Um, and how do, we, how do we make sure the horse knows that we don't mean them any harm? There are a lot of different aspects to this. Um, and it's such a good topic. It's such a good thing to go into because I think most horses we find that have been broken in some way um, have varying levels of, deg- of degree of this, you know, um, whether it's just like a distrust of humans um, all the way to like a deep, deep fear of humans. Um, you know, all the, all the different levels of trust here. And my simple answer for almost every horse, um, in, in any degree of this is to meet the horse without expectation. If you think about it, horses are so used to us going out and asking something of them, asking, asking to use them. Usually, you know, we, we want something. And we go out and we, and we ask them for it to get it and to use them for it. And I think it really, it really changes the relationship when the horse sees that when we go out to them, we're not asking something of them. For some horses, it like blows their mind because they're so used to only being um, approached when, when we want something. That when we go out and we don't want anything Um, they're not sure what to do with it. So yeah, I I really think, you know, some horses that maybe are really, really severely traumatized or really, really angry, um, it might not even be safe to go out with them, but I'm going to assume that we're not talking about like such an extreme case, but rather just a horse that's been really broken down. Um, and I would say go out and ask absolutely nothing of them. No expectation. No expectation for them to even come up to you. Because sometimes we have we have that that really simple expectation that you know we want the horse to seek us. But even that can be pressure. Even that can be asking too much. Um we're kind of letting our worth sometimes ride on that. And if a horse doesn't come up to us, sometimes we feel disappointed. And the horse definitely feels that. So if you're with a horse that's really sensitive or really broken, even that sense of disappointment that they don't want us can, can be too much. So, you know, to just meet the horse and, and getting really clear on your intention, and maybe your intention is just that if you get to, you know, see them, even from afar, you get to see them and spend a little bit of time near their area um, and feeling so grateful uh, to meet him or to know him or to watch him. And having it be as simple as that, I think that's a really good place to start. So no needing him to come up, no need to pet him. You know, just being in the wonder of, of being near a horse which is really like, it's fantastic, you know, even to watch them from afar, like 
it can be so beautiful if we let, if we take the pressure off them and also take the pressure off ourselves that we aren't failing in some way if we don't get to do anything else but watch the horse from afar. And I think, you know, when you do that, you can focus on feelings of gratitude and you can send love to the horse. You can thank them. I usually speak out loud, you know, just for the opportunity to know them. And you can explain, like, I like to do this with horses that are really broken all out loud. Just explain that I am really grateful to meet them and to know them and that I want nothing of them other than, um, other than to share some space. And if they say they don't want to share space with me, then I leave, you know, I, I want to really listen. My intention is really to give and do for them what they need and focus on what he wants rather than what's going to make me feel good about, you know, the relationship in that moment. So yeah, I think the more we can relieve the pressure from the horse and relieve the pressure from us, the better. And it's been my experience that the more we do that, the more the horse does actually want to uh, naturally kind of connect. And if the pressure's gone, even horses who are super shut down have a drive to connect with us and the curiosity to, to possibly engage. So yeah, hopefully that answers that question. That's how I would start. Um, and you can, you know, however long you want to do that for, you can go out every day or once a week or once a month, whatever. Um, yeah. And, and this is not something I stopped doing after a while. You know, this is something I like to do with all of my horses all the time. It's my like number one thing I do with the horses is going out without expectation and just having a relationship and, uh, not asking anything of them other than to love and to know them. So yeah, hope that answers that. Okay. I really like this, this other question, this next question. And it's, do you think we can be able to bring more liberty for the horse into the competition world? So I actually recorded a podcast with, um, with unbridled goddess about this a couple of couple weeks back about, um, bringing Liberty into competition. And, and I would imagine the person who asked this question might've listened to that and, uh, and wanting more of a follow-up. Um, I think we can, I think there was a time in my life where I kind of, you know, like I mentioned this in the, in that episode that I, really rejected like competition and the competition world. And, and I think now I just want to see it from a more complex angle, you know, and see all the different aspects of it. Because while I don't necessarily feel drawn to, to competing right now, I think if we come in with the right intention we can do it in a way that's aligned with our morals. And I think if we come in with the intention of, you know, it could be something like, I just want this to be fun for me and my horse, or I want to go into competition listening to my horse. And if we stick really true to that, to that intention, rather than getting caught up in, you know, like 
the actual competitiveness, I guess, or the, um, you know, trying to prove something to other humans and all the different things that can come up that, you know, it's difficult. Like they do come up and it's hard to stay perfectly aligned with our intention. But I think the stronger we can make our intention really about the horse and really stick true to it through competition, um, I think it's possible. I think it's possible to, to have a fun time with your horse doing that. And, and really, I think that is probably going to be an important step for the horse world because people do want to compete and people are competing. So why not try to improve that and improve the welfare for horses within that world? Because I don't think that's going to go away right now. You know, maybe one day all horse competition will be gone and maybe that'll be so great for the horses, um, or for the majority of the horses. Um, but right now, you know, it's relevant. And I do think the more people can bring in mindfulness and not feel as though, oh, I want to do competition. So I have to completely abandon the Liberty thing, or I have to do Liberty. So I have to completely abandon the competition. I think we, we make less room in some ways for, um, improvement for the horse and for compassion all around when we do that. Um, because it means that, you know, if someone really does want to compete and they think that that's the opposite of Liberty, maybe you won't get all the benefits of, of listening to your horse more. And, you know, some of the philosophies of Liberty that could actually be really, really beneficial to integrate with competing. Um, so yeah, I think it's definitely possible. I think Tara did an amazing job of explaining that and of living that and being super honest about like the real struggles and the real, um, the real joys of, of kind of navigating that. So I definitely recommend listening to that episode and I would love to do a follow-up episode with her, um, and talk to anyone else who is also doing this because I think it's so fascinating and, um, and I think it's so important and really wonderful. So I think, yes. And I think the more, you know, if you feel you're listening to this and you do competition and you want to bring more Liberty into competition, like by all means, I think you can do it. And I think you should share your story with me because I'm sure it will inspire me and inspire a lot of people. And, you know, feel, I feel, feel like you should talk about it because I think that's an important thing going forward. Okay, and I'm going to end this podcast, I think, with this next question, which <laughs> it's quite it's quite the like good question. Um, okay, the question is: um, Is it possible to honor the horse's feelings and still be able to ride, like using less aggressive tack or something like that? This one needs its own podcast, I think. Um, <laughs> riding, Liberty and Riding um, definitely needs its own podcast. But my short answer is yes. I do think there is a way to honor a horse's feeling and feelings and still ride. Um, 
this one's really interesting for me because my personal feelings around it are shifting a lot. And sometimes I go through periods where I feel like I can't ride um, because I don't want to. Um, And sometimes I go through periods where I really, really want to ride and I can see the possibility for doing it in a way that feels really aligned to me. Um, so all of that, I'm still trying to figure out because some of my, my own horsemanship is shifting right now. It's kind of transforming, but, but yeah, you know, when I first found Liberty and when I first started, um, when I first started doing the training and the horsemanship that I, that you probably know me for now, this was a really big question for me because I really wanted to ride. I wanted to ride without pressure. I wanted to ride without force. And I thought there was no, well, at first I thought there was definitely a way. I thought I was just going to take off the tack and that we were going to be able to ride and that Annie loved it. And like, it was all going to be great immediately. Um, and I quickly found out that wasn't the case because when I took off the pressure and I took off the force, she certainly didn't want to ride anymore. Like as soon as she realized that I wasn't going to back up my cues with some sort of force or pressure, um, and she could really say no, she started saying no to the whole thing. Um, and she did not want to ride. And like I said, kind of in the beginning, that was like one of those hard questions to ask because I did not want to face that answer. I did not want to think that she didn't want to ride. Um, and it kind of blew up my whole my whole world in a way. Um, but again, as I actually let go of the expectation of having to ride, um, and I, I let us both off the hook for that. And I, and I, um, yeah, I just like changed my expectation. Then we were able to find a way where Annie really had more of a choice or really like could say yes or no. And if she said no, I would listen. And if she said yes, I could also listen to that. And, uh, we discovered that through, first of all, getting to know each other on like a deeper emotional, like relationship level of knowing each other without expectation. And then also through positive reinforcement and taking away, um, punishment. So when there was no longer punishment, for her saying no to riding, then I felt like I could get a real yes. So, you know, with Annie, it definitely shifted to a place where I, I knew I could ask her, do you want to ride? And, and I knew she felt liberated to give me an honest answer. And sometimes she'd say no. And sometimes she'd say yes. And then she started saying yes. A majority of the time, And getting to a place where I could actually ask her that, you know, it took building communication and building a lot of trust that she knew she could say no. I think that is really the key point here or like the key factor is if a horse knows they can really say no to riding without punishment and without you taking something away from them. So like, for instance, with Annie, we were doing positive reinforcement if she said no to riding, I didn't want to take the rewards away. So if she said no to riding, I'd say, oh, that's great. And we'd continue to play on the ground still with the rewards. So it wasn't like it was her only way 
to get treats or her only way to get attention or to get scratches or something. Um, it would be available to her whether she wanted to ride or not. Um, and I wouldn't end the play after riding or like if she said no to riding. So on the positive reinforcement side, you know, making sure that whether she wanted to do it or not, wasn't going to change the fact that, um, that we were playing because she really liked the play. That was really important. And then also on the punishment side, if she said no to riding, I wasn't escalating pressure. I wouldn't keep asking. I would take her no immediately. If she said no, um, I would really even try not to ask again. Um, just ask once she said, no, let her, let her go, you know, let her, um, let her have her answer and, and then just continue to play and also not be disappointed by it as much as I, as much as I could do. So I think, you know, once you take away that and you can get a more honest yes or no, it's been my experience or it's been my experience that horses will say yes and that you can ride, um, yeah, in a way where you're getting an honest answer. So, I mean, again, I should probably do a podcast actually about riding because I think there's so much here to go into and so much about how you actually build the cue to ask honestly and how you build that communication and how do you switch from like a pressure and release and force-based riding to... Um, a positive reinforcement based riding, things like that. Um, yeah, there's just a lot to go into. So, so probably at some point I will make another podcast episode for that. If you guys want that. Um, but yeah, I think it's possible. I definitely think it's possible. I just think it takes a lot of listening and it takes the courage to ask the real question. Cause you know, I think if you're going to truly ask the horse, if they want to ride, you risk finding answers you don't want. And, and again, I really admire so much the people who can ask that question and be okay with the answer. I think it takes a lot of resilience and it takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of being really strong and connected to yourself. And, um, yeah. So if you can ask that question, honestly, and then let go of expectation and, and possibly go from there and try it out from there, then, you know, so many kudos to you. And I deeply admire you. Yeah, very deeply. I think that those are asking those questions. Um, that's what's changing the horse world and that's, what's making the world better for horses. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of my, my long answer. Sorry today, guys, if I've been a little scattered, I'm just, <laughs> like I said, getting, getting kind of down from the, the moving high and, uh, trying to figure everything out and, yeah. And I'm just also a little bit blissed out from the whole thing. So hopefully this podcast wasn't too scattered or anything, but, um, thanks everyone for listening. And, uh, 
if you like this kind of episode uh, with questions and... Um, sorry, my dog just barked. I'm getting very distracted. Anyway, if you like the episode and you want more like this or you want to ask more questions or you have ideas for topics, definitely feel free to reach out. And, um, and I'll try to do more follow-up episodes and, and have episodes that are focused on uh, and go more in-depth into these topics. So... Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you like the episode and you like the podcast and feel like sharing with your friends or subscribing or writing a review on iTunes, all of that is so appreciated. And I also really appreciate the comments you guys leave on Instagram. I listen to all of them or I read them all and they really, really make my day. And some of the things you guys have said to me, it really inspires me to keep making this podcast and and knowing that it's something of value that I want to keep doing, um, even at the midst of doing all this other stuff. So thank you guys so much. And I will see you next week with a whole, I will see. Okay. I need to just get off. I'm fumbling my words. Talk to you next week.